section thirty eight of the history of prostitution this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the history of prostitution by william sanger section thirty eight chapter twenty nine north american indians decrease of the indian race treatment of females courtship stealing wives domestic life among the crow indians pine leaf female prisoners marriage conjugal relations infidelity polygamy divorce female morality intrigue and revenge decency of outward life effects of contact with white men traders the aboriginal inhabitants of the vast continent of america have been variously described by different writers one man lauding them as models of chivalry and virtue another decrying them as the personification of meanness and vice hence it is only at a recent period comparatively speaking that any reliable information has been obtainable on the subject in the limited space that can be given to a consideration of the indian and his social habits we shall endeavor to reject both romance and vituperation we do not believe him so stoically virtuous as the former class of writers depict nor do we think that all of the race are so deeply sunk in depravity as the latter represent in addition to the authorities quoted in the progress of the chapter we are under obligations to mr horace st john's article on prostitution incorporated by mr mayhew in his tracts on london labor and the london poor at the time of the settlement of jamestown and plymouth it was estimated that there were about two millions of indians scattered over this continent they were then a brave and hardy people who lived on the produce of the chase varying their locations as the facilities for hunting required when the last census of the united states was taken their numbers were about four hundred thousand exclusive of fifteen thousand in canada and the british possessions this decrease has been ascribed to the occupation of their hunting grounds by white men and the consequent extermination of the game upon which they depended for subsistence the free use of intoxicating liquors and the introduction of smallpox and other fatal diseases these causes will in all probability result in the entire extinction of the race in the small number mentioned are many half-breeds children of white fathers and indian mothers it might naturally be supposed that in the several tribes composing this people there would exist great diversity of manners but these are found only in minor particulars the social institutions of the north american indians are so generally uniform 
as to render it possible to sketch the whole at one view their occupations are still confined to the chase and the warpath to perform a round of daily labor even though it ensured the most ample provision for his wants would be contrary alike to the inclination and the supposed dignity of the red man who will scarcely deign to follow any pursuit which does not combine enterprise and excitement woman therefore becomes the drudge and slave upon her devolves the duty of cultivating the ground whenever any attempt is made to assist the spontaneous efforts of nature she it is who must bear the load of game which her husband has killed must carry wood and water build huts and make canoes in fishing and in reaping their scanty harvest the man will at times condescend to assist her but otherwise all the labor falls to her share in those tribes visited by traders her duties are still heavier she must join in the hunt and afterward dress and prepare the skins and furs which are to be bartered for whiskey and other luxuries to this degraded condition the women seem perfectly reconciled and expertness at the assigned employment is a source of pride to them the treatment of the female sex is generally admitted to be a standard by which man's moral qualities can be estimated it may be doubted if this rule would apply to the indian tribes for those who treat their females most mildly are by no means the most virtuous nor is their deference attended by any increase of attachment the general opinion of a wife's value being the consideration of her capacity to be useful where they aid in procuring food or luxuries for the tribe they are held in more esteem while in places where the chief burden of providing rests upon the men they are treated with severity even when oppressed with these laborious occupations the women have as much native vanity in respect to decoration as the sex in any part of the world and an accurate observer remarks that judging from the time a squaw often occupies in arranging her hair or disposing her scanty dress or painting her round cheeks with glaring circles of vermilion it is evident that personal ornament occupies as much of her thoughts as among fashionable women in civilized society courtship and marriage are differently arranged among the various tribes the predominant custom is for a man to procure a wife by purchase from her father thus acquiring a property over which he has absolute control and which he can barter away or dispose of in any manner he pleases the example of powhatan who was chief ruler over thirty tribes in virginia at the time of the english colonization is a case in point it is said that he always had a multitude of wives about him and when he wearied of any 
would distribute them as presents among his principal warriors in most cases the woman is not consulted at all the whole transaction being a mercantile one in others an infant female is betrothed by her father for a consideration to some man who requires a wife either for himself or for his son the girl remains with her parents until the age of puberty when the contract is completed at which time the father often makes a present to the husband equal in value to the price originally paid for his daughter another mode of obtaining a wife is to steal a girl from some neighboring tribe captain clark who crossed the rocky mountains in the years eighteen o four to eighteen o six as one of the leaders of an expedition ordered by the executive of the united states records instances of this kind he says one of the anahaways had stolen a minatory girl the whole nation immediately espoused the quarrel and one hundred and fifty of the warriors were marching down to avenge the insult the chief took possession of the girl and sent her by messengers to the hands of her countrymen in time to avert the threatened calamity a young minatory had carried off the daughter of a chief of the mandans the father went to the village and found his daughter whom he brought home and at the same time took possession of a horse belonging to the offender this reprisal satisfied his vengeance the stealing of young women is one of the most common offences a more peaceable kind of preliminary to matrimony is for a man desiring a wife to offer a small present to the woman if she accepts it and offers him one in return the match is complete or he may tell her his wishes without any introductory gift and if agreeable she will reply accordingly others will not venture to express their thoughts but will sit quietly by a girl's side and if she does not remove from her seat her assent is understood to be given still another custom is for the lover to enter the woman's tent at night bearing a lighted torch if she allows it to burn it is a sign that his attentions are not desired but if she extinguishes it she thus intimates that he is accepted it will not require much knowledge of human nature to imagine the consequences of these nocturnal visits a recently published work life and adventures of james p beckworth new york eighteen fifty six professes to give an accurate account of the domestic life of the crow indians among whom he lived for some years and became a chief of the tribe who believed that he was one of themselves and had been stolen from them in infancy it may be necessary to say that we only quote him on points where corroborative evidence can be obtained from other sources his character for veracity is questionable and among the miners of california where he is known any extravagant tale is proverbially called 
one of jim beckworth's lies his first experience of matrimony showing that the woman's consent was not asked but that the arrangements were made by the parents is thus stated while conversing with my father he suddenly demanded if i wanted a wife i assented very well said he you shall have a pretty wife and a good one away he strode to the lodge of one of the greatest braves and asked one of his daughters of him to bestow upon his son the consent of the parent was readily given he had three very pretty daughters and the ensuing day they were brought to my father's lodge and i was requested to take my choice the eldest was named still water and i chose her the acceptance of my wife was the completion of the ceremony and i was a married man as sacredly in their eyes as if the holy christian church had fastened the irrevocable knot upon us cases are also recorded by indian travellers wherein a custom more assimilating to civilized notions is adopted a young man will court a girl for a length of time using all his endeavors to cultivate her affections and the woman upon her part will entertain an equal tenderness for him again turning to the pages of beckworth we find an instance of this in the case of a woman who attracted his attention it must not be considered that he was a victim of the romantic affliction called first love for he had some six or eight wives in the tribe at the time his description is as follows in connection with my indian experience i conceive it to be my duty to devote a few lines to one of the bravest women that ever lived namely pine leaf in indian barchiampa she possessed great intellectual powers her features were pleasing and her form symmetrical she had lost a twin brother in an attack on the village and was left to avenge his death she was at that time twelve years of age and solemnly vowed that she would never marry until she had killed a hundred of the enemy with her own hand whenever a war party started pine leaf was the first to volunteer to accompany them she had chosen my party to serve in I began to feel more than a common attachment toward her one day while riding leisurely along i asked her to marry me provided we both returned safe she laughed and said well i will marry you when we return no but when the pine leaves turn yellow i reflected that it would soon be winter and regarded her promise as valid a few days afterward it occurred to me that pine leaves do not turn yellow and i saw i had been practiced upon when i again spoke to her on the subject i said pine leaf you promised to marry me when the pine leaves turn yellow it has occurred to me that they will never turn yellow am i to understand that you never intend to marry me 
yes i will marry you she said with a coquettish smile but when when you shall find a red-headed indian i saw i advanced nothing by importuning her and i let the matter rest it would occupy too much space to recite all the details of a long courtship including scenes in war and chase at the camp or on horse-stealing excursions suffice it to say that the heroine accomplished her vow and seemed convinced of the sincerity of her lover she concluded the courtship thus she then approached me every eye being intently fixed upon her look at me she said i know that your heart is crying for the follies of the people but let it cry no more i am yours after you have so long been seeking me i believe you love me our lodge shall be a happy one and when you depart to the happy hunting ground i will be already there to welcome you this day i become your wife women will sometimes voluntarily ask men to marry them promising to be faithful good-tempered and obedient this request is seldom refused as the marriage tie is easily dissolved if the union proves unpleasant tanner who was taken prisoner by a war party and lived among various tribes in the northwest for nearly thirty years relates a case in point the woman's endeavors to secure him as her husband commenced with an invitation to smoke with her he acceded but either his blood was not so warm as that coursing through indian veins or from some other cause it was long before he consented to the proposed companionship which a red man would have accepted on the spot the girl resolutely pursued him and at last with the consent of her father took possession of his hut while he was absent when he returned he could not put the young woman to shame by sending her back to her friends and so they became man and wife beckworth also had some experience of this custom a little girl who had often asked me to marry her came to me one day and with every importunity insisted on my accepting her as my wife i said when you are older i will talk to you about it but she would not be put off you are a great brave she said and if i am your wife you will paint my face when you return from the war and i shall be proud the little innocent used such powerful appeals that i told her she might be my wife he lived with her until he left the indians and her son is now eighteen fifty five chief of the tribe the women taken prisoners in war are frequently married into the tribe that captured them but never to the captors who stand in the relation of brothers to them and by whom they are protected from insult a warrior who has taken a female prisoner usually makes an exchange with another who has had the same fortune each being thus accommodated 
without infringing upon custom if a man has seized more than he can dispose of in that way he generally gives them to any man who will accept them in the same manner a woman whose husband has been killed in battle will ask a warrior for a male prisoner who accordingly becomes the successor of one whom he has probably slain in these cases the man is adopted as one of the tribe is kindly treated and entitled to his share of all their advantages the marriages are without ceremony of any kind the parties agree to live with each other as long as they can do so with mutual satisfaction and the man conducts his bride to his hut at once or resides with her at her father's cabin it must not be supposed that the ordinary requirements of a married life are systematically unheeded for as a general rule the squaws are faithful to their husbands who upon their part rigidly exact this fidelity even if they do not practice it themselves the general description of the position of indian women already given applies equally to their state after marriage they continue sometimes the abject slaves otherwise the patient servants of their husbands while he eats the food she has cooked and probably caught herself she must wait in submissive silence at all times she approaches him with the deference due to a superior being an indian will never evince the slightest symptom of tenderness toward his wife this would be opposed to his idea of manly dignity but the eagerness with which he will revenge her wrongs proves that his apparent apathy springs only from pride or a fancied sense of decorum when catlin proposed to paint the portrait of the wife of a sioux chief his offer was ridiculed and it was considered marvellous that he should honour a woman in the same manner he had honoured the warriors as the former had never taken any scalps never done anything but make fires dress skins and other servile employments to infer from these facts that there is no conjugal affection among this people would be erroneous notwithstanding their assumed indifference instances are not rare of strong mutual attachment to an indian there is nothing inconsistent with affection in his indolently walking through the forest while his wife follows him bearing the heavy wigwam poles his ideas never having been led to consider this as other than her natural duty many pictures of domestic happiness are exhibited among the indians and the blackfeet sannee and blood tribes strongly desire that their wives may live long and look young heckwelder relates a singular instance of indulgence in seventeen sixty two there was a scarcity of food among many tribes and during the prevalence of this famine a sick woman wished for a mess of indian corn 
her husband rode about a hundred miles to obtain it gave his horse in exchange for a hatful and returned home on foot with the coveted dainty these lords of creation attempt to enforce their marital rights with much severity and if their suspicions are excited against their wives become very indignant and punish them by beating biting off the nose dismissing them in disgrace or even killing them the wife of a mandan indian ran away from him in consequence of a quarrel by so doing she forfeited her life which custom would have justified the husband in taking and he would have murdered her but for the interposition of the travellers who gave him a few presents and persuaded him to take his wife home they went off together but by no means in a state of much apparent love this trouble arose from jealousy in another case a minatary had much abused his wife for the same reason and she sought refuge in the camp her husband followed and demanded her and she returned with him as we had no authority to separate those whom even indian rights had united since an indian considers his wife as so much property equally valuable as his horse and for the same reason for the labors she can perform we can easily understand that polygamy is universally allowed though it is not generally practised being confined to great chiefs and medicine men as the rank and file are often too poor to buy a second wife many follow the custom for the mere purpose of amassing wealth but others of the stoic warriors delight in the harem from the same sensual motives as a turk or hindu among the communities that catlin had an opportunity of visiting it was no uncommon thing to find from six to fourteen wives in the same lodge he mentions an instance in which a young chief of the mandans took four wives in one day paying a horse or two for each these brides were from twelve to fourteen years of age an indian marriage at this age is far from uncommon and indeed it appears from good testimony that celibacy beyond the age of puberty is very rare some of the females are mothers before they are twelve years old it is not universal for the wives to live all in one hut some tribes requiring separate lodgings for each this custom is in force among the crows and beckworth relates that on returning from one of his excursions he made a round of visits to his wives some of whom he had not seen for months it is not uncommon for a man to marry his wife's sister and indeed the whole family of girls on the supposition that his household will thus be rendered more harmonious for the same reason a cherokee will marry a mother and her daughter at one time though he will not upon any account 
take a wife from his own kindred among the oregon tribes it is strictly required that each wife should be purchased from a different family so well established among indians is the custom of polygamy that civilization meets the greatest difficulty in opposing it and if ever abolished it will overthrow their whole social system and in changing their national character tend to their speedy extinction sir george simpson relates an amusing anecdote of an indian who came into the settled districts of british north america learned to read and write and adopted the principle of monogamy returning to his tribe he endeavored to persuade them to the same course long and earnest were the debates on the question and the finale was instead of converting them they reconverted him he took a great number of wives forswore books and never again appeared in the character of a social reformer another chief offered to renounce polygamy he having five wives and a large fortune in horses and cattle falling in love with the daughter of a gentleman in the service of the hudson's bay company he dismissed his harem and presented himself with great parade and confidence to make his matrimonial proposal to the lady's family to his extreme disgust and mortification they rejected the honor of his distinguished alliance he revenged himself by refilling his hut with women as quickly as possible if the obligation of marriage is easily contracted divorce is effected with as little trouble it is not often that a separation takes place for it is held dishonorable to forsake a wife for a trifling cause particularly if she has borne children when it does occur the offspring are usually permitted to decide which of the parents they will accompany although usage gives the mother the right to take charge of them in some instances the form of divorce is simply for the husband to bid his wife go in others he will not take the trouble to give her notice of his discontent but will quietly put his gun on his shoulder and move off himself there are a few instances of this being done for very slight reasons but in addition to the restraint of custom just mentioned the actual value of the wife is a subject of consideration where a separation does take place the man will often endeavor to renew the connection a missionary mentions a woman who contracted a new marriage after her husband left her he returned and claimed her the dispute was referred to a chief and he either wanting a precedent or distrusting his judicial capacity could think of no better expedient than placing the woman at an equal distance from each claimant and then ordering the men to run promising that the one who first reached her should retain possession of the prize in some tribes 
divorce renders it impossible for the woman to marry again but in others she can make a new alliance as soon as free from the old one it is difficult to form any opinion as to the morality of females among a people where marriages are contracted and dissolved so easily we may safely say that they have very little idea of chastity as a positive virtue notwithstanding their general although not invariable fidelity when married which may probably be induced more by fear of consequences than sense of duty of prostitution for a price as known in civilized communities we find no trace in the indian nations while in a normal condition but if we assume webster's definition the act of offering the body to an indiscriminate intercourse with men it can scarcely be claimed that they are free the predominant motive seems to be an inordinate sexual appetite which must be gratified if not in legitimate marriage than by illicit intercourse we are told that in most large assemblies of indians there are to be seen voluptuous-looking females whose passions urge them to this and carver in his travels in north america says that among the manetawessis it was a custom when a young woman could not get a husband for her to assemble all the leading warriors of the tribe at a feast and when their hunger was appeased to retire behind a screen and submit to the embraces of each in succession this gained her great applause and always ensured her a husband though the custom is now almost obsolete the principle still exists and prostitution is regarded by many as the shortest road to marriage the birth of a bastard child entails little shame upon a girl and that such children are not more frequent is due less to their chastity than to the means they employ to procure abortion one of the reasons advanced for their early marriages is that the impetuosity of the girls would render it difficult to obtain a virtuous wife if the union was delayed the confessions upon starting for war or what is called the war-path secret would also favor the opinion that abstract virtue is at a low ebb at these times every warrior is required to relate to his companions each act of illicit intercourse he has committed since the last excursion naming his partner and enumerating the facts attending the frailty this obligation is enforced by the most rigid oaths known to indian customs this immorality is not confined to the single women for the squaws are at times as ready to take part in an intrigue as in any civilized nations beckworth whose experience of indian manners seems to have embraced every conceivable phase of life relates his adventures in this way 
a brave named big rain was elected chief of the village he possessed a most beautiful squaw who was the admiration of the young men and all were plotting to win her from her lord i determined to steal her be the consequences what they might having enticed the husband to a smoking party he says i went to big rain's lodge dressed and painted in the extreme of fashion and saw the lady reclining upon her couch she started up saying who is here hush it is i what do you want here i have come to see you because i love you don't you know that i am the chief's wife yes i know it but he does not love you as i do i can paint your face and bring you fine horses but as long as you are the wife of big rain he will never paint your face with you by my side i could bring home many scalps then we could often dance and our hearts would be merry go now she pleaded for if my husband should return i fear he would kill you go for your own sake and for mine no i will not go till you give me a pledge that you will be mine she hesitated for a moment and then slipped a ring from her finger and placed it on mine all i had to do now was to watch for a favorable chance to take her away the appointed time had arrived and on going to the place of assignation i found the lady true to her word in fact she was there first we joined the party and were absent about a week we succeeded in capturing stealing one hundred and seventeen horses and arrived safe with them in the camp meanwhile big rain discovered the loss of his wife when we rode in he took no part in the rejoicing but ordered his wife and me to be surrounded and with half a dozen of his sisters all armed with scourges administered a most unmerciful whipping i received it with indian fortitude if i had resisted they would have been justified in killing me also if they had drawn one drop of blood i should have been justified in taking their lives without wishing to delay the progress of the narrative we cannot resist the impulse to express admiration of the indian punishment for a seducer of married women could the same unromantic penalty be duly and zealously inflicted for similar transgressions in places of more pretensions some of the scandals of civilized life would be curtailed to resume i sent word to the wife of big rain that i should go out again the next night and should expect her company she returned a favorable answer and was faithful to her promise on my return i received another such flogging as the first two nights afterward i started on a third expedition my new wife accompanying me 
and received a third sound thrashing from her husband finally he grew furious but my soldiers said to him you have whipped him three times and shall whip him no more we will buy your claim he acceded to the offer and consented to resign all interest and title in mrs big rain for the consideration of one war-horse ten guns ten chief's coats of scarlet cloth ten pairs of new leggings and the same number of moccasins this was not a bad remuneration for a faithless woman in another case an intrigue resulted tragically one of the wives of a minatory chief eloped with a man who had formerly been her lover he deserted her in a short time she returned to her father's hut whither her husband traced her he walked deliberately into the hut smoked quietly for a time and then took her by the hair led her to the door and killed her with a single blow of his tomahawk the caprice or generosity of the same chief gave a very different conclusion to a similar incident which occurred some time afterward another of his wives eloped with a young man who was not able to support her as she wished and both returned to the village she presented herself before her husband and asked his pardon he sent for the man inquired if they still loved each other and on their acknowledgment gave up his wife to her lover made them a present of three horses and restored them both to his favor with the exception of some national customs the outward life of the indian is generally decent a temporary interval of wild license corresponding to the saturnalia of the ancients and called the festival of dreams is common among the canadian tribes this carnival lasts fifteen days and laying aside all their usual gravity they then commit every imaginable extravagance our authority does not say whether immorality forms a portion of this relaxation but from the custom of other bands it is not improbable lewis and clark mention several instances in which they were present at dancing and similar festivals and witnessed exhibitions of the most foul and revolting indecency mr catlin records his opinion that the old world has very little of superior morality or virtue to hold as an example to the north american indians and we are not inclined to enter into any long comparison of the races the manners of each have been described and while it would be unjust to expect the untutored son of the forest to display as much delicacy as his more cultivated fellow-men it would be equally ungenerous to assert that the white female population as an aggregate are governed by the impulses which apparently sway the indian woman 
but whatever doubts there may exist as to the immorality of the indian women in their natural state all are entirely removed as soon as they come in contact with the white race those in the provinces of nova scotia new brunswick and canada have rapidly learned the worst of vices they are drunken sensual and depraved the venereal disease commits frightful ravages among them in fact most of their sickness arises from excess of one kind or another mclean in his twenty-five years service in hudson's bay says that the men employed by the company are reconciled to their hard employment and poor remuneration by the immorality of the women of whom numbers are prostitutes selling themselves for the smallest remuneration on the northwest coast chastity is scarcely even a name the sea tribes are the most licentious and at some places where ships touch for supplies hundreds of women come down to the beach and by indecent exposures of their persons endeavor to obtain permission to come on board sir george simpson received a visit from a chief who wanted to negotiate the loan of lady simpson and offered his squaw in temporary exchange many of the traders on the upper missouri from motives of policy connect themselves with women of the tribes the most beautiful girls aspire to this station which elevates them above their ordinary servile occupations these engagements are not marriages in our sense of the word a price is paid for the girl and she is transferred at once to the trader's house with equal facility he can annul the contract for which her father is not sorry as he is thus enabled to sell her over again the tariff of prices will range from two horses to a handful of awls such is the remuneration for which an indian chief will prostitute his daughter it must be added that occasionally the couple live permanently together as man and wife the possibility of their doing so being always supposed in the first instance and of section 38.